recording, I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Bex and this is podcast number nine, Making Sense of Anxiety. Uh, so I'm joined by the rest of the team here at Foundation for Change. So do you all want to say hello? Hello. Hello. Hi, I'm Heather. Hello. Um, so today we are talking about anxiety. Um, and in later episodes, it might be useful to look at other topics around anxiety, like predispositions like nature nurture and the reasons why acute anxiety can develop into more chronic disorders um, and even existential anxiety which is really interesting um, but to begin with let's strip it back to basics as it's probably more useful to start uh, by understanding what anxiety is how we feel it in our bodies and the different ways each of us respond to it um, as human beings, we have uh, a range of different behaviours we do when trying to get rid of feelings of stress and discomfort. Uh, some are conscious, some unconscious, some healthy, uh, some not so healthy. And this is mainly what we'll be discussing today. Uh, I just sort of want to say before we begin that I don't really like the word unhealthy too much because as human beings, uh, we generally have a tendency uh, to lean towards beating ourselves up if we don't automatically act in what we think is the right way. Uh, so it's not a blame game. Uh, I just really wanted to acknowledge that managing anxiety is really difficult when you're in it. Um, but what I found I really love and has been really helpful for, helpful for me when managing my own anxiety is to normalise it and just get to know it a bit better really. Um, it's generally seen as a bad thing, but in essence, uh, we need it to stay alive. It alerts us to danger. It tells us there's something wrong. Um, so I kind of see it now as a, like an inbuilt uh, caution antenna, um, but it also can be utilized and harnessed positively as well. Um, we all get anxious, but, it's, uh, but it affects us in very, uh, varying degrees and ways. Um, so the whole thing about building uh, a more healthy relationship with anxiety is really just taking the time to work out where the initial feelings of discomfort are coming from in the first place. And uh, yeah, try not to run away from discomfort as soon as we feel it. Uh, so firstly, I just wanted to ask you all, um, on that note, uh, what does anxiety mean to you? I think for me, um, anxiety, it feels like, um, like a, a knot inside my stomach, like a really uncomfortable feeling and a, a lowness of breath I sort of get. Like, I feel like my heart is really low and I feel like I can't breathe properly. You know, it's um, yeah, really horrible feeling low down in my stomach and heart. And what does it mean to you? What does it mean? I mean, I think just over over the years, maybe trying to get a relationship with this anxiety. It didn't. I don't really know what it meant. I just I feel it made me feel different. Something wrong with me because I didn't know what it was and I couldn't name it. I just know that I'd have these weird feelings that were controlling me uh for me without thinking about this too much i think that um the the word anxiety does trigger something because i feel like I and mean, i'm not saying i'm not anxious now but i'm so much less anxious than i used to be and i remember like a period of about i don't know five or six or seven years where i just experienced really crippling anxiety like on a daily basis like it was just constantly there so like there's something that where even now when I hear the word it reminds me of that time 
Do you know what I mean? So I feel like it's it's almost a bit like um, something to be scared of or something to be, I don't know. Um, yeah, it just reminds me of kind of a, a difficult time, but I think like that was very extreme anxiety. And I feel like over the years I've been able to develop um, a healthy relationship to myself and been able to understand a lot of what that anxiety is. So the word doesn't scare me anymore, but I still recognise that there's still like a bit of an imprint from kind of lots of years of just suffering really crippling social anxiety. Yeah, definitely. And there's something in the name, isn't it? It's got that big X in it. Anxiety! Uh, it's quite a terrifying word, isn't it? Is it just because of the X? <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just, it just looks wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> I think for me, um, it's something that I kind of remember having it as a child really really badly and then and then kind of disappeared but it disappeared as i started uh getting more into kind of alcohol and drugs and and then for years and years you know i didn't have it because you know i was off my head most of the time uh, and that's a coincidence yeah <laughs> uh, just cured but yeah and then when i stopped all that um, became being in recovery I yeah I, I got it back really 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 strong uh, and it's something now that I'm kind of like I'm learning to live with I'm learning that it's part of part of who I am maybe because of repressing those feelings for so long um, might have something to do with it that has kind of come back stronger but I think now I'm kind of like thrilled that it's something that I'm like not scared of like I'm learning the more I learn about myself the more I'm learning what does cause those things and so being able to put things in place to lessen lessen those feelings kind of learning what the triggers might be or learning yeah learning to kind of put things in place that will help you know not just hoping that it'll just go away or ignoring it because that just makes it worse and there are still times when you know there's sometimes when when it gets too bad that you know I haven't been able to leave the house and things like that so um having having things that I can do the you know breathing and yeah uh, there are things that I've kind of learned to kind of like help me get through that uh, and ultimately kind of know that it's not it is going to kill me and, and that and that it will pass even if I'm having a really and that's quite you know that's that's quite um having that freedom to know that I'm not going to get lost in it yeah definitely and it's like it's interesting that word what does anxiety mean to you because you're not really asking what anxiety is and I think it because it means something really different to each of us and just as we you know anxiety means something uh, different to each of us we all feel anxiety kind of really differently in our bodies as well and I know Tonya's already mentioned this but how do you feel anxiety in your bodies? Oh, just really quick you just made me think of something like both of you actually about uh, the meaning of anxiety so that's a really interesting point because I think like what it means to me now is very different to what it used to mean to me yeah so before it kind of meant a very like huge thing that really controlled my life it was a very kind of crippling thing but it was always like just an ongoing thing like i never saw an end to it 
And it feels like now a lot of the kind of power has been taken out of the word or my relationship with it. So if I'm having an anxious day, I can just kind of write it off as a bit of a like, oh, you know, I'm just having a really shit day and I'm just kind of like experiencing what I'm experiencing and just kind of feel that tomorrow's going to be a better day. I totally get that, Bob, as well. I think I'm there with, with that now. I know that it's not, you know, this is not going to be ongoing. And I think that's, that's really helpful in sort of being able to know that it's going to pass as well. Yeah. yeah. So to begin with, I just wanted to start uh, by talking a bit about how, um, as human beings, we naturally want to escape the feeling of anxiety or unease and how we might respond and behave uh, in a way to get rid of that feeling of discomfort. And it was just kind of exactly really what you said there, Bob, you know, previously maybe our relationship with anxiety meant, you know, let's just bloody escape it. Well, now uh, maybe we can be a bit more settled with, okay, it's a day where I'm feeling anxious. Um, so just while I'm talking, I sort of laid it out as a diagram um, or flowchart in the handout. So you might want to have a look while you're listening or if you're on the bus or something, Thing. have a look when you get home um so put yourself in that place where you start feeling that initial rush of anxiety um maybe something has happened or you're faced with a situation that brings it on maybe you have to make a decision about something i don't know um and i just want to be clear that we're not talking about that really chronic chronic anxiety like an anxiety disorder right now um which is incredibly debilitating and we'll look at that in another podcast um but what we're sort of discussing today is the kind of anxiety uh that a lot of us still really have a struggle with and it's a it's still a day-to-day -day challenge um so anxiety is also called that feeling of discomfort which we also know as cognitive dissonance um and we have done a podcast on this already um but a very brief explanation again is cognitive dissonance occurs uh, when a person holds in their mind two or more contradictory beliefs ideas or values at one time um, so that's the mental conflict that occurs uh, when our thoughts and behaviors just don't fit together and um, being in that state uh, and they call it psychological distress because uh, it is and discomfort is extremely exhausting um, and so I'd recommend you listening to the cognitive dissonance podcast because Bob uh, gets his ukulele out to explain it in audio form which is uh, quite something um, so as humans uh, we, we just don't like to sit in discomfort and our response can be to try and get back to a place of comfort where we aren't feeling that apprehension or concern anymore. And, and we want to do that as fast as possible uh, because as humans, we're always thinking, seeking that place of comfort. And um, just as we all feel anxiety in our bodies differently, we also tend to act uh, to defend ourselves from feeling anxiety and discomfort in different ways as well. Um, so I just briefly wanted to illustrate what I mean with a short example. And I think it's quite relatable because it's how many of us sort of feel and act when faced with a new challenge or change. Um, so just, just pretend you've got an interview for a volunteer position uh, somewhere. And, uh, but straight away, this makes you feel anxious. And some of the reasons could be uh, you might have been out of work for a really long time or ever um, and your confidence might still be really low because you're in recovery um, and this is all completely understandable stuff um, but just to illustrate it you're now sitting in a place of discomfort um, because you're weighing up two opposing thoughts and on one hand you could be thinking 
I really want to go to this interview. Um, I, I know it's the right challenge for me right now. It's exactly what I'm looking for. But on the other hand, uh, you might be scared of rejection or you say to yourself, you're not ready or oh, I just don't have the ability to do it. Um, so right there, you're sitting in cognitive dissonance and that discomfort. Um, faced with a decision about what to do is you're holding two opposing force. Um, but the feeling of discomfort is so extreme that you just want to be rid of it straight away. So what you do um, and how you behave is you just don't go to the interview. You don't call to cancel. You block it out. And what you're doing is you're acting on that feeling of anxiety without really thinking about it. Uh, so instead, you tell yourself, well, I wouldn't have got it anyway. Um, you know, you relieve that feeling of discomfort by telling yourself a narrative. Um, but still that anxiety hasn't gone away because you're still holding two contradictory force, which are, I really wanted that role and I've let myself down. But to soothe yourself, oh, I wouldn't have got it anyway. It's, yeah, I, it's for the best. So to get back to that place of comfort now, you respond by finding other ways of doing that. Um, maybe it's to eat a tub of ice cream and binge on Netflix all day. Uh, maybe it's just to buy lots of shit off eBay. Um, but that only works short time as the initial situation wasn't solved. Um, and it's always gonna be at the back of your mind because you really wanted to do the interview. Um, so the point here is that if we acknowledge these feelings of discomfort, instead of pushing them down, um, like we're unconsciously, which means we're doing it without being aware, acting to defend ourselves against feeling them. Um, and uh, I mean, we've all been there. It's really important not to put blame on ourselves for this. Um, but I think the point here is to have self-awareness over our, our behaviors um, and not act on that feeling straight away. So to pinpoint where that feeling of discomfort, anxiety is coming from in the first place, take the time to just sit with it a bit longer uh, because it is about practice and each time you do it, it does get easy. But we've all had experiences like this. I mean, what do you guys think? Um, do, do, do you relate? Does it make sense to you? I was gonna say something about like, I think, the first thing I think is really helpful to understand is that you know it's not just humans that see comfort. I was thinking this the other day just about like I think it's a mammal kind of thing because if you think about like birds who make nests and they you know line the nest with feathers and you know like pigs that want to like sit with their mum and kind of like be close. Like I think there's just something about like innate in in. I don't know if it's like the fish world, if <laughs> the equivalent of like cuddling or something. But, you know, there's just something about, I think mammals want comfort. We yeah. seek warmth, we seek soft things, we seek, you know, all of this kind of like lovely, cuddly, cushy stuff. So it's really normal to do things to avoid discomfort. You know, it's like we're hardwired to avoid discomfort. So I think the first stage for me is really recognizing that even if the things that you do are not great, they serve a purpose. You know, even if you kind of sit and binge on, you know, top of Haganaz or you get pissed or whatever, it still served a purpose. You were still trying to attempt something. The thing you're trying to attempt is to seek comfort. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so to me, that I think that's, that's the first stage that I think is really helpful to get to grips with. Yeah, because when you just said that, Bob, I was just thinking sometimes you don't think of it as you beat yourself up, maybe if you have a drink. I'm just thinking like maybe I've done that before, you know, and then it's an extra thing to sort of whip yourself. But actually it, it did serve a purpose for that that time. So like, so that just, I like, I've never really thought of that actually. But, um, but yeah, it does serve a purpose. 
and it's about knowing what's wrong and naming it. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the old ego defense mechanisms. And I wonder if it's even just relevant to throw it in here, because once again, we've done a podcast on that. But, you know, um, like, actually, you know, our unconscious mind, as well as our conscious mind, seeks to defend ourselves. And it is there to serve a purpose. And, you know, I think that when we sort of change um, our relationship, or as I say, get to know anxiety a bit better, I think it's really helpful to frame it like that, instead of just seeing it as this doomful, awful thing. Um, it's there to protect ourselves. And using kind of like something... Um, like an example of like a volunteer position, which is something which, you know, brings up a, a feeling of change and kind of like emotions and like, can I do it? Can I not? Um, like, you know, once again, you might not go, you might just say, I'll sod it. But the next time it starts to get a little bit easier, the more you practice kind of, I mean, I think this is the, the when people say you, you sit with the feeling, um, which I heard so many times when I was in recovery, just sit with it, just sit with it. I mean, I didn't have a clue what that meant. I was just getting kind of like told to sit with something like with no idea. Um, and I think that's it. It's kind of not running away from discomfort at the first kind of sign of just trying to kind of act against it. Uh and the sense of achievement that, you know, in the fact of doing something that terrified you and doing it anyway, that, that feeling of accomplishment that, that you've done that is is amazingly, you know, that you really achieve something, even if it's something that is completely normal to other people, like answering the phone or something like that. But, you know, you know yourself, that it's it's a sort of you know it's something massive. That's an amazing thing, you know. But equally, it's that thing what you were saying before about um, ha having ways of just dis dis distracting from from those feelings. Uh, you know, fair enough, having doing this, that, and the other. But I think the issue comes when if you're doing that to an extent where it becomes unhealthy. Whereas you know you're okay uh, eating ice cream is an amazing way to stop for thinking about things but when you've eaten you know when you're eating like a tub a day or something like that and and, and then the the initial thing has gone away and you're more worried about you know how fat you become or you know not a fat saving or anything like that but you know if you're unhappy about your weight you know things will be replaced by you worrying about what you're putting in place rather than you know the initial kind of thing so it's that whole thing of like thinking about where you're going to go with that, you know, where where you're going to be feeling from doing what you're doing to to stop the anxiety in the first place. I'm just picturing ice cream Holics Anonymous. <laughs> it was on three times a day. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and it's also that thing of like. You know, this touched on what you said in the beginning, Bex, about the, the, the kind of function of anxiety. Like, I always think about things from a kind of evolutionary perspective. Like, if we had no... I don't think this is always right, but, like, you know, if we had no use for things, generally we kind of have, would have lost them over the years. So for something like anxiety, it's like, well, we've kind of kept it for a reason. And, you know, anxiety tells us something. So the anxiety actually isn't the problem. You know, the anxiety is a signal. And actually the problem is how we try to control the anxiety. 
that's where the problem is. Whether it's ice cream, whether it's kind of constantly running away from stuff and actually never dealing with the, the initial root of it, that's the problem. Because it's like Tony was saying, it's just like you kind of start drinking because you might think like, oh yeah, that helps, suddenly I feel great. And then you've got another problem and then you, you know, to take something else to deal with that symptom then you've got another problem so it's just like getting you into this massive like whirlwind of running away from the anxiety and actually like just check in with what the hell is going on and it's it is tough i mean we're making it sound really easy but you know i think um i think there was something about uh this idea of compassionate inquiry which i think is a really nice term so sitting with it sometimes is not the most helpful thing to say because what does it mean? A lot of people just sit there like grimacing <laughs> as they're trying to like just, oh my God, like I'm told that this is going to pass at some point or like I'm just going to surf the urge and it will go and it's just like just bracing. The white knuckle. like, knuckling. Yeah, exactly. And actually like I think this, this idea is, is not helpful. I think it's more helpful to think about, you know, to inquire with compassion, to think about like, well, what is going on? why am I doing this? And not in a beating yourself up kind of way, but in this very compassionate, like, oh, what might be happening right now? Mm. That's something that's, you know, we're very good at beating ourselves up. We're very, very good at, you know, thinking the worst about ourselves and, mm-hmm. and giving ourselves a stick to beat ourselves up with, isn't it? It's very different to be able to be, think kindly of ourselves and give ourselves a break and be compassionate, you know, that self self-worth, self-love kind of thing is a very difficult thing to do if you haven't thought about it, you know, and and having to, it's a new thing to learn and a new way of thinking. I know when I first came into recovery, I was like being told how much I beat myself up and how, how badly I talk about myself when I never even thought about that. And then I started catching myself doing it and consistently telling myself really negative things about myself. And the first thing that I tried to do was stop that way of thinking, just stop thinking, not necessarily thinking the opposite and thinking good things about myself. I find that, you know, still really difficult, but just to stop thinking about the negative things about myself, catch myself doing it and stop myself doing it. Uh, and it's, yeah, it takes away a lot of, of that negative weight. Yeah. You know. How did that feel? Were you able to just like not do it? I was able to catch myself doing it. So it was like before I knew I was doing it, I was just doing it all the time, all the time. And then from when she was saying that, and and, and she said it in a certain way that really kind of like struck me, and I thought, what, really? And so I kind of like, would catch myself doing it more rather than it just being this normal voice in my head. So kind of catch myself and go, oh, I'm doing that thing. You know, stop, stop it. It's like an awareness. You was made aware to it. So it was just being aware. Yeah, yeah. 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 The meta position or metacognition, like thinking about your thinking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking when we was talking, one of my ways was just being really, really busy all the time. Very, very busy. And um, so I didn't really have time to sit with myself because when I did sit with myself, I was too tired and I'd go to sleep and then just get up and start again. And this current situation with COVID has sort of, you know, pulled you back and sort of made you sit again, white knuckling maybe sometimes because there's so much unknown and uncertainty out there as well. So it's like, yeah, 
I don't know where I was going with that, but um, I find now, you know, I, I, I used to rush around. That's how I sort of, I mean, I dealt with stuff. And for the last six months, I have not, I've been walking at a very slow pace everywhere. So um, I haven't really gone that far. And yeah, it's been a journey, I think, for so many people that even didn't have, felt they didn't have anxiety problems, maybe sort of during this time, all the different news that we're hearing and no one really knowing what's going on. It's sort of, it's forcing me to have a relationship with my anxiety, I think, and, and, and a healthy one. You know, I think in the beginning, it was probably like, oh my God, what's going on? And, but now I'm actually, yeah, it's, it's made something happen that actually, you know, we need to sit and address what's happening and be able to, you know, even though your heart might feel really scared, you have to try and keep your mind on the meta position, as it were. I don't know if this is jumping the gun, Bex, but like, I think another thing just talking about COVID was just that recognition of stuff that uh, should make you angry, or like, not should, like stuff that, you know, is really realistic to be anxious about. Yeah. You know, like the world is in this just like major global shit show of a lockdown kind of pandemic. And, you know, we're, we're absolutely right to be anxious about it. And then there are other things which might, you know, might be quite small. And it's just like, oh, fuck, like just get some perspective and just like, oh, God, it's not as bad as I think it's going to be. But being able to, again, sit with the feeling and just like distinguish between, is it realistic to be feeling anxious about this or am I just being absurd about it? Mm. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I feel like that's the point. And I think a lot of the things, we, you know, which have been discussed here just, you know, over the, the past couple 10 minutes or so is, is about how we've pr practiced this, this kind of feeling of being able to make not only our behaviors conscious, because actually what we're doing is we're having awareness over, over our thoughts. And that's exactly what you were explaining. Um, uh, Tonya and Heather and it's also kind of like uh, pretty much you know my journey with anxiety as well like it won't go away I don't think anxiety will ever go away and um, my anxiety will ever go away um, but what I am able to do is uh, not be afraid of it to the extent where the idea of having any sort of feelings of discomfort just make me want to you know run away just it's going to be awful um i can face it a bit more but i think you're right like there are the day-to-day -day things which can make us feel anxious but then there's covid and there is this big unknown situation we are faced with and one of them is like what's the future gonna hold like what does that look like um and so you know it's worth thinking about it especially in terms of covid i found like the seminars that we do, which go along with this podcast, people are really using the word anxious uh, a hell of a lot and in relationship to COVID. Um, so, you know, it's just worth kind of like talking, I suppose, for a second um, amongst us. But is there anything specifically about COVID? Maybe, I don't know, like it's future, what's happening now that is making you anxious at the moment? I will say yes. Oh my gosh. Um, I get so scared and you know, I don't, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if scared is the right word, but I get really overwhelmed with this feeling, probably anxiety. Um, but we're all moving online and we're all going on zoom and, and I, I, and that, it really scares the life out of me. It's like, and so many people have different, you know, 
I met somebody at the school yesterday when I was picking Ryan up and they said, oh, isn't it great? You can just get up at 8.30 and get dressed and push the button. I was like, no, it's really not. Like, but, you know, everybody is different. But for me, I, I'm really, I'm really, really um, aware of this overwhelming feeling of how much the world has changed began online. D down to doctor's visits, you know, on the phone. That makes me anxious because you know, I can't go and see the doctor and I don't really want to go and see the doctor, but it makes me anxious because I know that I can't see the doctor. So it's, it's kind of, you know, I've had three different illnesses in three weeks and I don't think there's actually anything wrong with me. I think I'm just paranoid because I can't go to the doctors and it's not normal anymore. And it's like, what if something was wrong? How were they going, you know, and, it's, and it isn't, sometimes it isn't rational thoughts either. And I think that goes with, for me personally, that goes with, um, I haven't been so busy. <laughs> um, I've got more space in my mind, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, online for me. Ooh, scary. But I'm getting a relationship with computers, and, you know, and onlineness. So I mean, it scares me, if I'm really honest. I think the fact of like getting mixed messages off people, so that you've got the government telling you stuff you have scientists telling you stuff you're kind of trusting in you trust in the authorities of the you know of the people that that um govern and clearly the last few months we've been getting so many mixed messages it, it is quite it's un, you know it is unnerving because you're being told one thing the papers are telling you one thing scientists are telling you one thing things are happening in other countries that are clearly you know completely different from what we're being told so you know it's i think we're all experiencing something but we're all in very different ways you know of living you know, whether we're poor or rich or you know we're working or we can work from home and it's all it is all really you know anxiety inducing because because we're kind of not knowing you know and trusting and then being told different things that don't kind of make sense you know so that's kind of unnerving makes us feel unsafe doesn't it like yeah. you know the yeah. people who are supposed to be looking after you are um yeah kind of not keeping you safe yeah it's the cognitive dissonance thing isn't it it's like when you're getting conflicting information and i guess what you want to feel safe is like you do want black or white you just want like real clarity and when everything's just fuzzy and gray you're gonna feel anxious yeah, very much so. So I suppose we've all kind of like been faced with experiences recently where, you know, we felt anxious, we felt cognitive dissonance, we felt discomfort. Um, so I just wanted to ask you all, like, if there is like an example of a situation you've been in recently, you felt that anxiety, um, have you kind of like acted on it and just sort of blocked out the feelings or has there been kind of like that moment where you've gone okay I'm just gonna sit with it think about it just try and pinpoint where those feelings of anxiety are coming from um I have Bex actually um in the, the beginning of lockdown I haven't really, I've only spoke to Liz about this and I think maybe Bex, I'm not sure. But um, the beginning of lockdown, when we first got locked down, as I've said before, I like to keep busy. Um, I was in a really weird place and I felt like I cannot sit here, I cannot work from home, I have to be out there and I need to get out there. So I applied for a caring job in an old 
old um, home. Done it without really thinking. I think I'd done it really so um, unconsciously because I was acting in my anxiety. Anyway, the next morning I got a phone call for the job and that was like, oh my God. And I was like, no, 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 I work, I work. And um, so, but that really made me think, what are you doing here? What have you done? I acted so much on that uncomfortableness. And because I got the phone call back, it was like, oh, no, I can't. I'm not, I'm actually working. And then I think I realized that I need to, you know, that was a reaction of, you know, I could have really just gone and done that just because, and just not sat with anything and dealt with, I don't know. It was just the whole scariness of that one situation. Lockdown, like this is it. And, yeah, I'd done that. And I think about that quite a lot over the last six months. That that one day, I think I'd done it probably after two days. And like, I can't do this. What am I going to do? But in a way, I'm, I, I'm glad that I'd done that because it showed me my reactions to things was is to get busy, get out there, don't think, don't have time. But actually then, you know, when somebody said, all right, yeah, you can actually go and do that then. And then I knew, actually, I'm not doing this for the right reason. and I'm acting on something so that yeah that was my little thing that happened did, did you like have to do an application form and like was it what was the process like of the process was just literally and literally I went to Boopa care homes because I knew they were key working jobs and they would be crying out for people yeah um I literally had to just fill in a form like on online and I got a call within the next morning straight away so but it really showed me that I was acting so out of, not probably not even out of character, maybe the old character of myself is that's what I always used to doing. If something really scary happens, fight, fight or flight, you know, and I am like flight, get out there into the care homes and get busy and just don't think about nothing. But I'm so glad that I realized that it was, um, it's a reaction. But the, the reason I was asking that, I think it's it's an interesting point because a lot of people think that like the response to something uncomfortable is really quick, like knee jerk. So mm. like, oh my god, I'm just going to go and you know go to the shop and just like buy some booze and whatever, and you know like suddenly I relapse and it's just like it feels really quick or whatever the example is. But like your one, I know you said it's pretty quick, but also like that still like thinking about leaving find thinking about where to apply to like going through you know it's like a longish process so so the kind of the response to getting out of discomfort might last for like three days you know what I mean but it's yeah. like it's still like a I'm glad that you can kind of like like it did happen and you can reflect on it because I think it can show you like the lengths that we go to and actually like sometimes those lengths take several days to escape from or years you know to escape yeah. from actually facing something yeah, and I don't even feel like, when I think about it now, it wasn't even a process, I didn't even think about it, it was an automatic do, 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 and it was only when I got the phone call back, that's when I processed, what are you doing? That's, that was when I was able to process. It's really strange, it was really weird, and it's something that I think, what made me do that? But I know what made me do that, you know? So yeah, that was my reaction to anxiety. <laughs> But now, because of that, like, your behaviour at that time, which was 
run. I mean, it wasn't, I know, I know for a fact that you didn't even want that bloody job. It was just a reaction to the anxiety. It was just like, I need to do something. I don't know what it is. And, um, you know, it, it has, you've been so self-aware about like where that came from. It was you acting on anxiety. Your defense, uh, was to go, just do something. Let's fill in an application form. Um, and you got back to the place of comfort by going, you know what, actually, I don't really want this job. Like, this, I, I know that I was feeling anxious, which meant that your initial unconscious behavior was made conscious. You like, it was a self-aware decision, which is really resilient. And it's you, that's also interesting because you got your, your sense of comfort by pausing and then just thinking like, okay, what is going on? Yeah, that's when, that's when, and then I think I felt really much better when I sit with yourself. It's okay. Don't, you know, and I feel like I would have really beat myself up if I had acted on that because it would have been doing myself no justice. I wouldn't have been. So, I, yeah, I feel, yeah, afterwards is when I've been able to, and I suppose it's really helped me doing that, that mm-hmm. time. It's helped me throughout the six months as well. Yeah, definitely. Anyone else had any reactions like this? Heather's eyebrows just hit the ceiling. <laughs> oh, I haven't, I haven't gone and got a job, no. I mean, I did some quite unusual things like massively tidying up the house, which is very unusual. Kind of doing these things like, I know, okay, everyone's going to be feeling really stressed. I'm not going to get stressed. I'm not going to get anxious. I've got this. I'm in control. I'm being like overly like in control. Like, oh, right. I can finish, finally finish off painting the hallway that I started a year ago. I can do all these things. I'm really lucky because I've got loads of hobbies. I, you know, and I end up like, you know, mopping the floor and hoovering up once a week and, and just cleaning and kind of kind of being obsessive like that for, for, for quite a while to start with. And then it kind of calmed down a bit. And, uh, and by the end of it, I was just procrastinating as normal, and I still haven't finished painting the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it served a purpose at the time. It got rid of that energy and that anxiety, that, the, the worry of, like, the potential anxiety, you know, of, like, okay, I might lose the plot, I'm going to do stuff to, to help me, you know, by keeping busy and being in control, or controlling my environment as much as I could. Hmm. Yeah, same here. Like I, I, you know, actually I'm quite similar to Heather. Like at the start of lockdown, I was really like, yeah, man, we've been through this before. The human race will be fine. It's all going to be cool. We're all going to have mutual aid and it's going to be beautiful and we're going to help each other and stuff. Um, yeah, fast forward about four months and like, you know, it's all going, it's all going tits up because Actually, I, I feel kind of quite boxed in and claustrophobic because, um, you know, just looking after my mum and stuff. And, um, you know, I find it really hard to just kind of like make plans, work from home, do all these bits and bobs. But the point is, the anxiety is there. It's there because I don't really know what the future may hold in terms of kind of like, what well, for people, you know, for, for vulnerable people, seeing as we, you know, live in this big capitalist consumerist society where there's so much onus on what you own and like what you have. And it's like the rich and poor defied is, is really terrifying uh, for me. And that is giving me a lot of anxiety for 
other people um, who will have to live under COVID austerity. So that's what's giving me anxiety. And do you know what? I notice I do. Um, I, I mean, once again, going a bit ego defense here, but I just go off into to la la land. Like I go into fairy lands. Like I construct a reality in my head that is different to what, you know, the world I live in. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's a coping mechanism, but it's a defense against feeling cognitive dissonance and like discomfort and, you know, a fear about, what the future holds um but you know once again like i could stay there like in the past um i would stay there like i i never lived in reality um everything was unreal to me um and that was okay because maybe reality is just too painful sometimes um and so like now you know i am aware of it like it's 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 a behavior i have self-awareness that yeah, this is consciously kind of like where I go to to escape, to not, you know, think about the news and what's happening in the world, um, which massively serves a purpose right now. Um, it's just that like, you know, I do definitely, I don't fear the feelings of anxiety definitely as much, as much as I did, which is really helpful because once again, um, I've been able to practice. I've been able to practice kind of like sit, God, here we go again, but sitting with that feeling. I was going to say, like, I think a lot of what we're talking about is, you know, all of us doing this kind of work, you know, with and and kind of, I guess, being the people we are, I've had a chance to develop a more, I don't want to again use the word healthy. It's hard to kind of be like positive or like healthy, like just like a better relationship with our anxiety. But I think, um, there's something about when you when you start to kind of like be okay with being maybe that's it like when you're okay with being anxious like I was saying before like I just hated that side of myself so anytime I felt anxious it just reminded me of just like this really horrible kind of chapter and then over the years I kind of started to realize like oh actually anxiety is all right and it's not you know it's normal and you know we have it for a reason and like you know like I'm gonna have days where I'm anxious so, and then, so I think a lot of it's about like building a better relationship with yourself. And on those days, I'm much more able to kind of be quite intentional about, okay, like if I am going to do something to just avoid facing this root cause, I'm going to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I don't have the resources to like face the shit right now. So if I am going to eat three tubs of Haagen-Dazs, but do it very, very consciously, do you know what I mean? I, there's a real different, and there's a real word like that kind of gets used in the yoga circles a lot, which I find really annoying. But it is this idea of intentionality, right? Like doing things with intention or doing things kind of consciously, like knowing that you are doing something to avoid something else, and that you'll pick up like facing this something else tomorrow or next week because you don't have the resources now. Yeah, definitely. That is, I think that's just so helpful. And also, you know, that is a really point. That's the point of us doing this podcast today is not just to go, I'm not doing all these things right, but it's just to kind of like have the awareness or intentionality over kind of what we're doing. So if we do want to binge on Netflix, yeah, yeah. do it. Own it. Yeah. yeah 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 exactly i'm gonna do 12 seasons of uh something game of thrones i don't know uh never watched it Fleabag. Fleabag. oh yeah thank you bob it's much better 
So um, another really important part of managing anxiety, um, or being able to kind of like pinpoint kind of like where feelings of discomfort are coming from um, is, well, building up self-esteem and, uh, you know, getting to know yourself a bit better, starting to, you know, care for yourself um, a bit more. Uh, so, you know, all, for, all four of us here today have kind of trodden the, the well-beaten path of quite extreme anxiety to now. So I just wanted to end by asking you all, what are your top tips for managing anxiety? I'll start, um, seeing as I'm already talking. Um, so previously I was the person who never exercised. I never did any exercise. Um, and I thought exercise was for idiots who went to the gym. Like literally I was just like, no way. And, um, you know, I always just had these feelings of like flight and fight, like what Tonya was saying in my body, like a real feeling of kind of like, ah, do I sit? Do I go? I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, I started walking not so long ago and walking turned into hiking and then hiking turned into camping for five days in the middle of bloody nowhere and getting lost and not believing your compass is north when it's south and all that sort of stuff. Um, and what I found subsequently is if I don't exercise, if I don't walk, um, my anxiety comes back. Um, I even said that today in one of the check-ins um, at our seminar. So yeah, that's my top tip exercise i thought you were gonna say now i jog every day and i'm just <laughs> yeah never <laughs> um my top tip is that i think i mean this stuff is tough you know because in a way the tricky thing about our work is it's we're talking about topic but all of these topics are really interconnected and it's about kind of like trying to you know approach all these different things or like understand all these different things like you said self-esteem and self-esteem is so huge um but i think you're absolutely right i think that for me something that really helped was and, and i still recommend to people and think it's a really good sign is when you're able to just take the piss out of yourself <laughs> you, you know you're able to kind of laugh at yourself or you're able to like what heather was saying earlier about hearing those negative messages get to a point where you can kind of like hear them and just realize how fucking absurd our heads come up, you know, our minds kind of like the shit that our minds throw up. And I think like it, it's really helpful to just like not take yourself too seriously. Um, you know, be okay with being anxious about something like it might be really trivial, but just like laugh at it, you know, just try and develop a bit of a lighter relationship with yourself. Love it. We do a lot of laughing at ourselves at Foundation for Change. Mm -hmm. Rule number one, take the piss out of yourself. Yeah. The fact of like being in an in a anxious situation, but knowing that it will pass, kind of knowing that it will always pass, like that it's not going to get worse, um, that, that it will get better and it will, and it will, you know, it will go away again. And that's kind of help, helps me kind of get, get through them, you, you know, just holding on and not kind of get, getting deep into it, you know, like, oh, it will pass, but it always, it always passes, you know, and knowing that helps me um, cope when I'm having, you know, episodes or, or, you know, when I'm getting myself right at it. And also, you know, normal things like, oh, maybe not drink like loads of coffee, you know, 
stuff like yeah. if I'm going to go on the tube and the tube makes me anxious, not drink coffee before I do that, you know, start drinking decaf or, you know, if the tube makes me anxious, can I get there on the bike? You know, can I do things to avoid situations that make me really anxious, you know, and, and kind of thinking, having an extra bit of thinking and planning around things to, to kind of like manage, manage the, you know, my anxiety. Great. Um, and for me, I think my top tip would be um, just to um, not running away from it and recognizing patterns around it. And for me, what really helps with me is um, reflecting quite deeply into my past patterns and then trying to connect them together. And then it gives me an idea of um, why I react to certain things and what certain things I react to. So um, yeah, not running away and recognizing patterns, owning it and reflecting. Brilliant. Lovely. Yeah, lovely juggling. Top tips, guys. Um, so that's pretty much it for today. Um, I hope it helps to strip the subject of anxiety back a little bit. Just normalise it. Um, understand that you as human beings, uh, anxiety, we've developed it. We've de developed it to stay alive. Um, and that, yeah, basically it, it does get easier to manage um, responses and behaviours around anxiety. But most importantly, be kind to yourself and laugh at yourself. Uh, see you next time. Bye from the team. Bye. Bye. Bye.